Welcome to the Popcorn Junkies! Hi! Hey! This is a strange one, Stubbs. It's a strange because we're doing it on a, uh, what, what do you call it for a start? Skype? Yeah, that's strange. Call it. Yeah. And, uh, and also, I can't see you. No, you can't see me, but we can all see Nanny die. And that's all that I like the fact that you have this sort of cravat thing going the on. The cravat is, is this... an effort to make myself self feel less ill and hot. Ah. It's been in the freezer. Nice. And then it goes around my neck and it's cold for a bit. Oh, nice. A bit of, see a bit of takeout tip tip making there about how to manage your heat. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. like that, Mum. Yeah. You're not just the, a film critic. The sort of tip that Brian, out of Brian and Charles, might <laughs> make. And that's what we're reviewing. We're reviewing Brian and Charles, the British, yeah. a British comedy, a straightforward comedy, um, yes. which I saw at the Sundance Festival, directed by Jim Archer, who I had the great privilege of interviewing, meeting and uh, uh, talking with, um, and starring David Earle as Brian um, and Charles being, well, Charles being a character that we're going to be introduced to in a bit. So what did you, what, what sort of preconceptions did you have going into this, Mum? Well, I'd seen, I'd seen the trailer, so I sort of knew that he makes um, uh, a computer, uh, an AI. A robot. <laughs> Yeah, robot. Yeah, sorry, robot. And um, I didn't know how they could do it particularly and convince me. It introduced us to him and he was a bit quirky. Well, well, what did you think quirky. about that? What did you think about the introduction to Brian? What did you think of David Earle, the actor playing Brian, the erstwhile and lonely inventor? Yeah, I thought he was lovely and I thought he was very quirky and sort of... Um, I really liked him and he was very funny but he wasn't quite funny enough. Ah, so the the concept, the structural co conceit, if you like, is that yeah. they're making a mockumentary, well, they're making a documentary about this yeah. guy. I, I found myself for the first five, 10 minutes, I said this to Jim Archer, the director, um, yeah. and he, he sort of seemed perplexed that one would have this thought. Uh, I found myself finding inherent humour in the idea that a film crew had actually stumbled across this weird guy and was making a film. So I found myself sort of like building a back narrative for the film crew that had said, right, this guy's really of note and interesting, uh, you know, living in the sort of rural Wales, making odd shit that doesn't work, let's follow him. Um, so I found that really amusing. I, I liked the idea that this guy had, had sort of had had flagged up as interesting enough for a film crew somewhere. Well, yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but but that slightly bothered me because they right. wouldn't have done, would they? I I, t I chose to turn that the disbelief around whether a crew would follow him into it's another. Because... It was another arched aspect of the comedy because of course a crew wouldn't have, wouldn't have found him interesting. Yeah, to follow. yeah. And so you yeah. have this guy who lives in a he lives in a sort of hovel in a house. He's got he's got his invention shed or garage making pointless, pointless inventions, but very funny ones, I thought. Yeah, silly ones. Silly ones. He would have been more endearing to me, that man, if he hadn't reminded me terribly of an old boyfriend who I won't say the, the name of, but you'll know who I mean. Must but be very just, old. How old? He reminded me physically of him, and so I had to sort of do a lot of work to sort of get past that. Oh. But yeah, he's, he's charming enough and funny enough. I, I warmed to him as the film went on. It was a bit uneven at the beginning in finding its comedic rhythm, I thought, and I thought he was struggling exactly. a bit. Yeah. But, but I felt that he got that. I thought for me, the first laugh out loud moment for me was when off camera. And unfortunately, it was the only time you really heard the documentary crew director off camera, really. You, oh, yeah. It was when he said, yeah. is that AI? And he went, AI? A what? AI? Yeah. A what? I thought that was yeah. very funny. First thing, before we get to who Charles is and what happens with Charles, mm. I thought I found it quite agonising, this guy's loneliness. Yeah, I did, too. I did too. And whether whether maybe that's why it was a very slow build for me, because mm. 
the beginning, say even the beginning half, I found really sort of a bit, a bit hard work. Mm. And obviously, you know, there's there's the village and there's there's his relationship with people in the village. And it's obvious pretty soon that there's going to be one girl that he has a relationship with. But it took so long to get to the point where they even could possibly. Mm. Anyway, once they did, it was fine. And I thought everybody was really good. He makes invention after invention. He struggles. None of them really happen. But what I like about him as a character no. is that he's a constant. He's the classic British underdog. He, he doesn't give yeah. up in the face of failure. In fact, he sort of he looks perplexed. He looks lost. And at times I really wanted to put my arms out and, and hug him. I mean, I think David, yeah. David Earle is well known. He, he has a leading part. I haven't seen Derek by... Uh, Ricky Gervais, but he also had smaller parts in Extras and Afterlife. So he's yeah. a he's a regular for Ricky Gervais. Um, uh, and, and, and in a way, I agree. I think that he, he as a performer was it was almost like you felt they'd shot it sequentially and he was finding his feet. You know, that first sort of 15 to 20 minutes of establishing him as this outsider, this lonely guy. He's kind of, as you say, there's an awkward attraction between him and a woman in the local village who herself is as awkward and as much of a loner as, as him. Um, his inventions don't go right. And so consequently, he decides to have a go at making a robot. This huge ambition sort of suddenly overwhelms him, doesn't it? Yeah, which I think once once the once the robot comes into it, and I, and I I loved everything about the film. I loved I loved the fact that he, I loved the way he was introduced, which was classic Frankenstein. I was going to say, the, wasn't uh, it? It was a really nice the, riff on Frankenstein. Yeah, with the storm and everything. Yeah. And then I loved ev I loved everything from then on. So obviously, um, it warmed up completely, and I loved I loved Charles. I thought he was a great character. Didn't you? Didn't Charles but, remind you of Clive Anderson? Yeah. He reminded me of lots of people, but... Um, Ian Duncan Smith. Just loads of people, but he was just so funny and touching. He he was all the things that maybe Brian wasn't quite. Uh. But then and the, but then also, what, what annoyed me... Poor Brian couldn't do anything right, but what annoyed me slightly with Brian was the tone he had to take with him to stop him from, you know, right. being a boy and um, running off and doing all the things that he shouldn't be doing and... Um, I don't know. I don't know. So that, so that, yeah. So quite quickly, it's established. I mean, I, I must admit, and I don't know whether this is just because I'm always preparing by myself, or I have an inclination towards the dark side, not wishing to yeah, sound like yeah. Obi, Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, but uh, I, I was constantly expecting it to go dark and wrong, especially yeah. with Charles constantly sort of increasingly. What happens quite rapidly is Charles starts to challenge so many of the rules that Brian is kind of putting in place for him, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, bits of that were hysterical. I mean, the whole teenage child thing upstairs, you know, with him stamping about and the music and everything was just so funny, I thought, you know. I mean, he did all of that really well, the yes. writer, didn't you think? Yeah, yeah, really well. And I thought, the, and I thought the, the stroke of genius was his, was his sort of mechanised voice, which I just thought, for saying yeah. it had so little range for emotional expression it expressed so much yeah no i thought he was an inspired creation i but mean then... the fact that he keeps coming out with different sorts of costumes on and everything mm. now i was going to say i expected it to go somewhere dark much earlier than it did mm. or although i have to say that and again i might be jumping too far forward but i thought a stroke of genius was the family in the village the evil family in the village i thought they were absolutely wonderful yes uh, and I mean, once they'd been introduced, the sisters, I thought it was a work. It was so clever of them to have the two children as two twin girls. Yes. And 
rather than it would always be twin boys, wouldn't it? Or boys. And so, yeah, they and had they this, I'm just so saying. So evil and giggling and awful, you know, that you sort of, and walking straight up to him and threatening him. I thought that was really clever. Yeah, and I thought it was really nice because in a sense, they made a decision that the jeopardy in this film wasn't going to be the jeopardy of whether Charles overreached his technological limitations or exactly. his social desires. But actually the threat came from quite a conventional source, which was the angry family in the village for whom the, the villain, the guy, the, the sort of the long haired sort of dad of this family feels it's his right to just take, nick, steal or have whatever he wants of anyone else's. Yeah, exactly. And he was like the biggest bully and the sort mm. of bully that you always know. But I thought I thought that family was really good. I was getting um, um, I was getting lots of Wallace and Gromit vibes from it. Yeah, yeah, I read that somewhere when I looked at the reviews afterwards, but I don't know Wallace and Gromit well enough to know. No, to but know, for that but... sort of safe, it's, it's a very safe, funny film. It's a buddy yeah. movie. and it's, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and it's about yeah. friendship and it is about loneliness and it is about a man finding friendship in the most unlikeliest of places and how that friendship and buddy relationship unlocks in Brian, the, the main character, the capacity to to connect with this woman in the village and love. So, you you know, it's, it's a very it's a very standard sort of um, British comedy in that sense. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I think too. it's I think. And, but what about the design of Charles? I mean, I think what I kept being reminded of <laughs> <laughs> was that there's this robot that looks so spectacularly unlike a robot. I know, but exactly, he did. He looked so peculiar. But then, as well, what was a stroke of genius was that everybody else, including the people who who were trying to steal him, didn't didn't act as if he looked so no, weird. No, they, they wanted him. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It wasn't like anybody said, "What the hell is that?" Yeah. It's it sort of people just accepted it somehow. It was really clever. I thought. I thought it. I mean, I'm you know, I'm not wishing to kind of overanalyze it, but. I did. I did like the fact that it tickled at the edges of sort of existential yeah. thought. So you know, he asks questions like, "How far does the outside go to?" Yeah, you know, can, yeah. Can I love the thought? The one that I, that I made a note of whilst watching it for you was, "Can birds do what they want?" Oh, wow. And I just think, what a sweet... I mean, you know, and within those, I, I think there are some absolutely beautiful little sort of reflective comments from Charles. And I, I could personally have listened to Charles constantly. I thought he was a... I was just going to say the same thing. I could have done with more of that. Yeah, yeah. Brian, in a way, was leading the, the pace of it. And um, although I warmed to him more for the second half, I could have done more with Charles's observations than we were given, in fact. Mm. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. I mean, I suppose if I found, if, you know, my, my main criticisms of the film were a, a little bit like you. I felt at the beginning it wasn't entirely confident with what it was trying to do. It wasn't sure-footed no. enough. And I think it could have, it could have, it could have, it could have been. And I think that was partly felt in, in um, David, is it David, Earl, David Earl's performance. I think as soon as Charles comes in, you know, the robot, the AI, it really quite literally sparks to life um, yeah. in a very different way. But mm. I felt that he made, I felt that they made, the decisions they made around what happened to Charles were a bit leaden and not, I felt there were many richer routes they could have gone. So, you know, him watching television and being drawn to the idea of Honolulu and Hawaii and, and all yeah. of that. I, I, and, and, and the ending, which sort of, as I said, I mean, I said to the director, I said, you've really teed it up that you feel that there could be a follow up with, you know, his, his, <laughs> his roots, you know, his, his further journeys and all that kind of stuff. I found the jeopardy was almost too light. And I think for me, whilst it was charming, it yeah. was almost too charming, and I thought it could have been threaded through with something else. I was well into it by the sort of last quarter. Mm. And so when he actually comes to leave on the train, I was positively sort of almost moist-eyed, you know what I mean? Right, I mean, I right. bought it. 
I bought it whether there was jeopardy or not. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I, you know, the, the Wallace and Gromit thing for me is like, it's all the inventions and all that kind of stuff. So like at the yeah. end, in the final in the final head-to-head with the kind of, you know, with the villain of the piece, you know, he pulls yeah. his jacket back and he and he takes a whack from another from another successful invention by him. So, you know, again, it's the, the British underdog wins it out. Was, it was. I knew that you'd love all of that stuff, but... I suppose there's a sort of pragmatism in me that sort of got quite cross that none of his inventions were better inventions. So even the thing that shoved the bully away, yes. I thought I thought when he, you know, when he and Hazel get together and they're making something yeah. and they get all fired up and everything, I thought they were making a bigger and stronger robot, robot to combat combat ah, the bully. Oh, I and, see. And then I thought, why are there only the two of them facing the the bully? Mm. You know, because there must be this third one. And then when that came out of his chest, I thought. That is weak. It is charming. It's sort of very British. It's very low key. It's it's it finds its feet. I would say, you know, well, halfway through. Hmm. It, it's much much better once the um, once the robot, once Charles comes into it. Um, I mean, I liked all the stuff with them. Um, I mean, I don't know. How, I suppose they could have done it differently, but I liked all the stuff of him finding out about the world and Honolulu and him wearing his ridiculous skirt and all of that. Um, I, I liked all of that. I was firmly, I was firmly with them by that point. So I'd say to people, stick with it; it'll get better. Um, and I'm sure it was just a bit of lack of confidence at the beginning that he sort of was, as you say, he wasn't quite sure of what tone to take. Mm. So some some of his jokes failed. Basically, mm. I wasn't taken by any of the inventions, but then I never am in that sort of uh, thing. I but I get the point. I get the point of the whole thing. But they're supposed to be stupid. <laughs> Yeah, that they're supposed to be stupid. Okay. But um, that's that's my mother and me, isn't it? Mm. Where I feel like saying, oh, for God's sake, of course it's going to burst into flames. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so I would give it, what would I give it? I'd give it 58. Oh, oh okay, 58. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought this is a very, if you're wanting to see something that's going to make you smile and have a nice, warm, yeah, rosy smile. feeling yeah. on a Sunday yeah. afternoon, if you want to get into some aircon away from the seat, this is the perfect, perfect film for you. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's light, it's it's brief, it's slight, it's it's heartwarming, uh, it's it's moving. You, you do reflect on loneliness in a light way. You, you reflect on solitariness and being the outsider and all that kind of stuff it is about the british underdog and all that kind of thing and and, and that's all quite nice i do think charles the the ai and i love calling him ai because he so resolutely isn't ai but but he yeah, is i think yeah. charles is this sort of i i did say as a kind of tongue-in-cheek joke to the director that this would the most curious double bill in the world would be ex machina and this as the yeah. two as the two polar oh, opposites of what ai could be what a wonderful double bill. Yeah, it would be a wonderful double bill. I was finding myself demanding of it a bit more sort of philosophy. I, I liked his philosophical wanderings. I like. I, 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 I agree. I mean, I wasn't saying that those Honolulu bits were bad. I liked the idea that he wanted to reach beyond it. And I think they could have parked, without losing its lightness and its sort of heartwarmingness, I think they mm. could have parked a bit more of a sort of sinister... Not sinister because he hates Brian, but sinister because he wants to genuinely move out of this house. I thought he could have been more in control of him being removed rather than that family nicking him. I found the device of the evil family a bit too weak. I didn't like that as much. Whereas I thought it would have been more complex and challenging if actually yeah. if actually Charles was was involved in him wanting himself. Like if he decided to go with that family because he wanted to experience more. I thought that would have been more interesting. 
Yeah, um, oh no, I get that. Um, and I probably would agree with that. It's just that I thought the family themselves were sort of Yeah, they of were good. very funny. They were very yeah. funny, yeah. Um, and I could listen to, you know, the world according, according to Charles is a very, is a very, very engaging and, and fascinating thing. So, you know, some brilliant writing in there. And I think it just got more and more confident. It got more and more confident with its comedy. It yeah, and once that relationship kicked in, you could see that David Earl really liked acting against whoever. I think the writer was actually in the robot robot outfit. Um, oh, I was going to ask you that, and also a shout out for the for Hazel because she oh, was brilliant. Yeah, she was really sweet. Exactly the right sort of foil. Yeah, for yeah, him. she really was. So if I was to score it, I think I'd be a bit more generous than you. I'd probably give it sixty-five. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. you're fifty-eight. I'm sixty-five. I suddenly feel like I should have given it more, but, but you no, that's You meanie, how dare you? You're like the guy beating up Charles, putting him in shackles. I know. Oh, oh, well. oh I feel oh, well. bad. No, I don't feel bad. It's your score. For more film and family fun, don't forget to click the subscribe button and make sure to click the bell to never miss an update.